Welcome, everyone, to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and this week we're looking at a modern aspect of soccer that isn't at all controversial and has never created headaches of any kind. It's VAR. What is it? How does it work? How does it differ between leagues? Why don't some people like it? And much, much more. Joining me to discuss those and several other topics is a man who always loves watching people draw imaginary rectangles. It's Graham Ruffin. Hello, Graham. (laughs) Hello, Taylor Rockwell. Yes, I enjoy it just as much as Eric Ten Hag does. Nobody tell him that there is actually Hawkeye technology applying those lines. He thinks it is just someone with a crayon putting it onto a camera, camera angle. And I quite like the uh, the blissful ignorance. So nobody yes. tell him, actually. I've decided to change my mind. We are recording this uh, on September 6th of 2023. If you're listening to this uh, five years from now, hopefully the Earth is still here. Hopefully VAR is still a talking point. It means that we're doing okay. Uh, but yes, this is uh, – Graham is referencing Eric Ten Hag in uh, Manchester United's loss to Arsenal this past weekend. Uh, and that felt to me, going off topic immediately, a bit like the old school Arsene Wenger of like be really mad at the officials and address things that didn't like matter at all to the game so that that becomes the talking point and no one focuses on your team losing. In that way, I think Eric Ten Hag did a good job of sort of deflecting a lot of the criticism that would have come by making himself look a little bit like a lunatic. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a solid ploy from Eric Ten Hag to to turn the, the the focus to the officials, even if they don't deserve it, as they yes. didn't after the the Arsenal no. defeat. And especially, I think, when you're blaming VAR and the frustrations with VAR, I do feel like that's gone away a little bit. But certainly in the early days of VAR, uh, there was more, I think, acceptance of like this doesn't make sense. And when Football Weekly and maybe our show, we're spending every weekend talking at least. Like for like a couple minutes about was that right? Was that correct? Why was that VAR decision given? It has sort of been the aspect of VAR that I least enjoy. That it is it is meant to remove a lot of the subjectivity from the game, and instead we just get very very debatey about what is and isn't meant to be VAR and if VAR got it right. But Graham, we're gonna hold that for now. Instead, let's just go with the very basics. What is VAR for people who are new to soccer and new to this podcast? What does it stand for? Why are we talking about it? So the way that VR gets spoken about, I get the feeling some people think it's a little robot in a room yep. making decisions. I hope it is. Uh, the, the term, unfortunately, not. That would be that would be more fun if it was Wally <laughs> just controlling Premier League matches. Yes. Um, the term VAR does sort of dehumanise the the whole the whole process. But VAR stands for Video Assistant Referee, and it is essentially another match official or rather it's it's usually depending on the league it's usually a team of match officials usually three match officials certainly in the premier league and they will often be in a centralized location often nowhere near where the the actual match is 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 taking place so for example the premier league is at a place called stotley park the mls's vr operation i believe is in atlanta um, so there will, there will be several offices, several VAR rooms that they will get the centralized footage into and the officials will be there making or helping to make decisions. So you still have the usual match officials like the referee and then the lines people and the fourth, fourth official down on the touchline. But VAR basically means there is an additional team of match officials and they have access to, and this is the crucial bit, to match footage. As I say, that's where the big difference is. So in the past, match officials would would uh, they wouldn't have an opportunity to look at replays or or match footage to help them in their decisions. It was all based on what they saw in the moment. Obviously, with help from the lines people and the fourth official on occasion, the addition of VAR has added that safety net where there are, there are other people, uh, m- other match officials who can look at match footage and can see the set, see the things mm-hmm. essentially that we can see at home watching on TV. 
And in your mind, Graham, was there like one incident that necessitated VAR, or do you feel like it was just accumulated mistakes from officials from the wrong player being red carded to goals that never should have stood being given? The Thierry Henry handball, I feel yeah. like, is a prime moment of like that definitely was a handball that definitely shouldn't have stood, and now there is a perceived injustice as a result. That's the watershed moment, right? Is the Thierry Henry handball. For anyone who hasn't seen this, Ireland versus Republic of Ireland against France in a World Cup playoff match. Thierry Henry, prior to France scoring a very, very important goal in that in that tie, Ireland were very much um, in, in with a shout of, of qualifying for that World Cup. Thierry Henry very, very clearly and deliberately handles the ball before a, a goal is scored. It isn't spotted. VR isn't available at that time. Ireland are furious. And it was just such a consequential moment that... Had VAR been in place, obviously it would have been spotted. And to be honest, at that point, the argument for VAR was in good faith. That was a clear and obvious Mm -hmm. error that had the officials had a way of reviewing the incident, they clearly would have seen it. It would have been overturned. And initially, that was the argument for VAR was, we're not going to use this very often. We're just going to use it for mistaken Mm -hmm. identity. We've seen, what is it, Graham Pohl handing out three yellow cards in a World Cup match and and, and not sending a player off and and certain things like that, which are obviously huge, huge errors. That was the original idea was that that VAR would be used for those moments. From, From that point on, it kind of grew arms and legs and now we're at the point of re-refereeing games although that is being rolled back a little bit in the Premier League now and the, and the bar is being high, uh, raised a little bit but yes I think you're right to spotlight that moment Taylor the Thierry Henry handball the other thing that happened around that time was Seth Blatter leaving as FIFA president so he had been opposed to the use of technology in football he then leaves he's replaced by Gianna Infantino who is an advocate of, of technology in football so the timing was important there was a few things that, that that came together also the fact that in the mid-2000s and certainly in the 90s and past decades this technology just simply didn't exist things like Hawkeye weren't around you wouldn't have had the same level of of, of, of broadcast camera set up it certainly wasn't as comprehensive so yeah it's just a convergence of different things that led to the introduction of VR. Yeah, and as you say, there are some things that are very obvious. There was one, I forget what season it was. I want to say like it was four seasons ago, but in reality it was probably ten. Of like the wrong player, it was an Arsenal player, I think, being given a red Maybe Kieran Gibbs was given a red card and he did not commit the infraction, but the referee just got it wrong, gave him a red. And that, very clearly a mistake that could be corrected. It's just, it is also one of those things with VAR where on the surface it can be very simple. It just gets really murky really quickly when you try to legislate. So for example, I can totally see the reality of, well, when should we use VAR? You can see the, uh, the FIFA suits in their, in their crowded bunker room. Uh, I'm assuming all smoking cigarettes while having this conversation because that's how I picture <laughs> villains. Uh, I mean, like, well, handballs. If there's a missed handball, we, we've got to – yeah, of course, everyone agrees. There must be – if there's been a missed handball, we must give a penalty. Well, what's a missed handball? Well, when he's clearly handled it. Okay, what's clearly handling? And then as you start to go down that rabbit hole, it gets more and more confusing. And so I think we have had progress in how things have been officiated, in the way that VAR is conducted, in the decisions that are made. I think we just still have those moments where it seems like when you slow it down and you watch it from five different angles, it's going to look worse, or sometimes it doesn't look as bad as it did in the live replay. And then I think with the offside uh, rules... It's like technically correct, which is the best type of correct, as Futurama taught us. But at the same time, when you're taking away a really important goal or an incredibly meaningful goal because a player had a shoelace offside, it feels it feels wrong, even if it's right. And I think that is so much of why VAR gets criticized. Yeah. Even when it's technically correct, it sometimes feels incorrect. 
Yeah, a lot of the decisions often feel like they're against the, the spirit of the game, if I can use that term without sounding too corny <laughs> or too cliched. I, I also think one of the big issues with VR, and we'll come on to the issues in depth a little bit later on, but one of the big issues is subjectivity and the level of subjectivity there is in soccer and, and soccer decision and decision making. So this term that has been, it's been codified by IFAB, this term, clear and obvious mistake, as if clear and obvious is a matter of fact and not in itself an opinion on what constitutes a clear and obvious decision. I mean, if Alejandro Garnacho's goal that we were talking about at the top of the show is allowed to stand at the, at, at the weekend against Arsenal and it's offside, is that a clear and obvious mistake? Mm-hmm. I would argue it isn't, but someone someone else might have a different opinion on that. So deciding when VAR is used and when it isn't used has been a big part of the problem. If you look at the IFAB laws, they have codified four situations where it can be used during a match. So the first is for goals and offences leading up to a goal. The second is for offsides, uh, penalty decisions and off- offences preceding the penalty. The third is direct red card incidents and the fourth is mistaken identity. Mm. Um, and then essentially any potential uh, outside, uh, p- potential fouls, excuse me, I'm reading the IFAB laws here, trying to make sense of them. Essentially potential, uh, any potential fouls outside of the penalty box will not be reviewed unless they are in the build-up to a goal or a penalty decision or are worthy of a red card. So that's how you end up in strange situations where a player will pick up a booking, will pick up a yellow card, and it isn't a yellow card. And then maybe that yellow card becomes consequential and further down the line and as the match progresses because they'll pick up another yellow card, but mm-hmm. you can't review that because it's not codified in the IFAB laws. Yeah. And so I, I think I want to state up front with all this before we get into some of how it works and the details behind it. I still like VAR. I, I still think it has a strong place in the modern game. I think it just gets confusing because it's it's sort of too much of, of a good thing can become a bad thing quickly. And I think I liked the idea in the beginning of if the referee saw, and this is a thing that I feel like has gone away, we saw a lot of decisions in the Women's World Cup, especially where it felt like the official saw the incident, decided it wasn't an infraction, and then was told, have a look, they have a look, they watch it from a bunch of different angles, and they decide, never mind, maybe that should have been a penalty. And I think there are moments in which that's the correct process. Yes, I didn't see that there was actual contact. I didn't think there was any. I didn't think the defender clipped the player. I thought the player just dove. So you're right. like booking the player for a dive when in reality they were fouled. I'm going to take away that yellow for diving. We're going to give a penalty. I totally get that. I I get frustrated when it feels like that has been changed to such an extent that now the official doesn't have the license to say like, no, I saw that. I just don't see it as being a penalty. I think it's part of the game, but I understand how then if you have it up to the official, whether or not they want to go check the, the replay screen, then that can lend itself to, no, I don't want to admit that I was wrong, so I'm not going to do that. So again, there's nuance in there that makes it really confusing, and ultimately I land on, I don't think we're ever going to have a consensus perfect system, but we can have a system that makes as much sense as is possible. And I think we're somewhere on the way towards that. I wouldn't say we've landed on the ideal way to make it work, but I think that's also part of this, is that it's going to be an evolving approach to how do you utilize it, when do you utilize it, and then maybe ultimately... How do we change the rules so that, say, the offside rule feels less punitive in the long term? And and maybe that will happen. But for now, I think we can talk about VAR broadly speaking. I guess I'm saying I am pro-VAR generally. Graham, where are you on that one? So I am not uh, as positive on VAR as as, as you are. I I just think it's quite an awkward fit for for soccer in the way that it's... 
I mean, one of the big con- biggest complaints is the length of time that VAR reviews mm-hmm. take, particularly on-field reviews, um, which re- require the referee to go to the monitors. It's probably worth uh, outlining actually what the process is of, of, of VAR and, and, and how it works. So there are, are obviously some differences between leagues and competitions in terms of how it works, um, which we can talk about a little bit later on. But there is, there is ge- a general template that is used ac- across soccer and it's probably best to separate the process out into three steps so the first step is an <laughs> it gets incident. so confusing so quickly it does we got to separate this into that to separate that into this and then once we've done that these three things become clear sort of is there a feel like how it works but yes graham do your best yeah let's go i i spent this morning reading through the <laughs> ifab laws and different league interpretations of var i'm having to leave stuff out that's how complicated yep. th- this process can become but if i'm simplifying it there's three steps the first step an incident occurs so the match officials will be in contact with each other during the match and so the referee will either inform the VAR team of an incident or the other way around the VAR team will say to the referee that he, he or she might have missed an incident step two the match footage will then be studied by the VAR team and they will continue to communicate with the referee. This will often happen as the match is continuing. The VAR team will be doing the, re- the review as the match is, is happening. The third step is outcome related. So if the VAR team decide that nothing really needs any further consideration, they will inform the referee they've completed the review and the match will just continue and, and, and there'll be no stoppage. But the uh, if they decide that it is worthy of further review, the referee can then review the footage themselves on the on the pitch side monitor, the on field review, and they can decide to either go with the decision that they made initially, or they can uh, they they actually can go with the the decision of the lead VAR match official without even looking at the monitor. So we will see that for things like offsides, often because offsides there there isn't such a layer of subjectivity unless there's an interference call or something like that. There is the Hawkeye technology that now applies the lines so it's very easy for the VR team to say to the referee that was onside that was offside but for things like penalties or red cards it is customary for the referee to have a look for themselves and uh, and make that decision on the pitch side monitor that can be quite a lengthy process and that is one of the things I don't like about VR is the, the, the length that that can take the whole process of the VR team analysing the incident then the match being stopped the referee having to go to the monitor as well sometimes that process can take up to three minutes from start to finish and that in a game of soccer I understand that there are other sports where that uh, would fit in a little bit more naturally Soccer, unless it's half time, doesn't have three minute stoppages. So it feels like that in itself is changing the fabric of the game a little bit. And then that, that's related to another complaint, which is just the natural flow of soccer. So as I say, in, in, in other sports, you have natural stoppages. Soccer is different in that regard. So you'll often have an incident. The play will continue. The referee will then have to wait for a stoppage to conduct an on-field review, which have might that might have happened a minute ago. So you might have this strange situation. And we've seen this a few times over the, over the last few years since this has been brought in, where let's say there's a penalty decision the other team, the opposition team, then counter up the other end of the pitch Mm -hmm. and they score or they have a penalty decision or whatever and the match is stopped and the referee goes over to have the on-field review and he's looking at something that has happened before the other thing has happened and it just feels like... I'm a big tennis fan. They have uh, VR technology. They have things like Hawkeye. It works seamlessly in tennis. There's never a discussion about it. And in football, it just feels a little bit awkward. Yeah, a couple things there. I, and I think uh, to your point, uh, ESPN did a really good breakdown of VAR and its history and, and all the different aspects of it. Uh, they highlighted one game when I think it was Burnley-Bournemouth. Bournemouth are trailing 1-0. 
Bournemouth equalize, but then VAR shows an offense that occurred uh, in the buildup that started in the box, which was a handball. So then the goal is negated, and instead Burnley are awarded a penalty, so that the result of VAR, instead of it being one-to-one, is 2-0 to Burnley. And that's a moment what seems very, very strange, especially, I'm guessing, if you're a Bournemouth supporter. I think one thing that is worth noting is that I think there's a difference between a VAR check and a VAR review. And to my understanding, there are VAR checks happening constantly during the game. Yeah. And and so I think for me, that does help me then have more appreciation for when there is that three to five minute lengthy review because everything is being checked and it's happening really quickly. Maybe occasionally the official will pause for a check to uh, to happen, but to my understanding, that's usually because there then needs to be another check before then play can resume, and so I, I feel like that gives me some feeling that like everything is being monitored. I think it cuts down a lot on stuff happening off the ball, especially violent conduct and headbutts and punches being thrown. I feel like we have seen a lot of that sort of go away because players know they're going to get caught for it. I think you're totally right about the length of time it takes because you have. You usually have like the head VAR official, then you you oftentimes even, especially in FIFA competitions, have three more video uh, referees. Then you have, I think, three uh, technical people who are controlling the replays and the angles and what's being seen. And so you end up having seven people in a room with a FIFA official. They are also monitoring events, and it can feel like this very lengthy, convoluted process. But I think it's worth it to me if if you're getting those major decisions right. I think part of... The frustration I have on a personal level is just that in those moments, I think we don't have a ton. I don't think there's a, a consensus approach from broadcaster to broadcaster for what to do when that review occurs, because sometimes we get to see the replays and the angles and everything they're seeing. But that's very much a sometimes thing. We're not all often shown exactly what's being discussed to the point where the commentators sometimes have to sort of guess or be like, oh, it looks okay. It seems like they're looking at a push in the back there. And I think that's where they've tried to bring in rules analysts to fill the time and, and be the experts that tell us what's happening. But even there, I think sometimes those rules analysts are probably, I like to think of them as like awakened from their chamber to discuss what's happening. And then they're just put back to sleep until they're needed for the next thing. <laughs> I think some of the delay, it just feels like there's sort of nothing to be done until the decision is given, but they don't want to cut away from the official for fear that something will happen when they cut away. So we don't get replays. We don't get much of the crowd reaction because I also, to my understanding, uh, the people in the stadium are pretty bored when VAR, when the when the review is yeah, happening because there's n- not a ton of clarity there either. And they tried to remedy that this past World Cup with the official explaining the decision, but even there we just get a VAR check, there was a handball penalty given, and that's useful, but I think definitely does not sort of connect a lot of the ideas there or make people feel more informed about what's yeah. happening. The the match day, the match going experience with VAR is is, is dreadful. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been to uh, so I think um, the, I was trying to think the only place that the only games that would have been because obviously Sterling Albion don't have VR but uh, Scotland games do have VR Euro qualifiers and I remember going to the Georgia game earlier this year and Georgia got an, a, a late penalty which Kavaratskalia uh, easy for me to say um, actually missed I to this day don't know what that penalty was for and they had like a five minute long review and we're all just sitting there standing there in silence not really sure what's going on so yes clearly that that process needs to be better the difficulty with that 
is not every stadium, not even every Premier League stadium has big screens to put those things. Old Trafford doesn't have big screens, uh, I, d- I don't think. I can't, Shocking. I, can't, I, I can't think of any. <laughs> um, so there's just no way uh. for that, unless they did like a radio commentary of the of of the review to fill fans in as it was happening live. But yes, that whole process needs to improve. I, I did think it was quite frustrating taylor you mentioned the 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 wide the widespread belief um that it's almost like a tennis challenge system that the referees are or the match officials the vr team aren't reviewing things as it happens that really took a couple seasons to bed into people's minds and i look i get it it's all new we're all kind of learning on the job here but yeah they're looking at everything it's not a case of the referee they're all just sitting around drinking tea and eating uh eating cookies and biscuits and then the referee goes can you have a look at this please yeah they're they're (laughs) they are busy during the games they certainly are uh and i think I've long argued that it would be really interesting to, to be able to hear the conversations so we can understand what's happening. I didn't realize uh, until researching for this show that's against IFAB protocols, that those conversations are meant to not be broadcast. They don't want that getting out. I think probably some of that is because it's a very tense exchange, I'm guessing. There's usually players surrounding and trying to get in the referee's ear, and I can see it being just not sounding very good or not being yeah, a very good look it'll be quite raw i'd imagine yeah, like exactly. it'll be quite rough it, it, yeah. it, it, i don't mean that in terms of the language i mean just in terms of i can't imagine it's very conversational it'll just be barking certain yeah, words exactly but if it were conversational or if there were a little more back and forth i also think that probably isn't a great look because that's immediately a thing that's going to be criticized if you have the official saying I didn't see it that way. I saw it this way. And the VAR official saying, no, it was this way. Like right there, you're seeing that disagreement. And I think it's an easy thing to capitalize upon if you're uh, a journalist or a fan and say, like, see, the official got it right. Why does VAR get it wrong? And I think they have tried to streamline the explanation as much as they can and to try to make it a more simplified process for people to understand. I also think broadcasters do try to explain the changes and the new permutations and variations to VAR at the start of every season. I think sometimes we just miss that, but also sometimes it changes. The way they officiate changes from the first match of the season to the 10th match of the season. And part of that is a natural product of learning and evolving, but also part of that is, you know what? We can't have 15 minutes of extra time every game. We can't have nine yellow cards for descent. So we're going to change the way we do this. And I think that also makes it feel murkier than maybe it would otherwise. Yeah, this is a very fluid situation at the moment. Things are changing season on season. And so I do have some, some sympathy with, with people who can't keep up. I, I myself struggle to keep up at times where I, where I think to myself, what's the handball law at yeah, the moment? Right? Is it, is, is the t-shirt thing still relevant? Is the, is the unnatural position thing still is in it, the IFAB yeah. law? Because is it's it changed. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it changes the, the idea behind the handball law seems to change from season to season with a like, this explanation will make it clear. And then it does the opposite. And then they change the explanation. Again. Yeah. And the, and the other confusing thing is there are different interpretations between different leagues and UEFA and FIFA. I remember there was a season in the champions league where, the handball rule was ridiculous and any time it even yep. brushed the hand of a player it was a penalty and that was very different to the Premier League and then I think they actually changed that for the second half of a Champions League season just because it was so outrageous and it was yeah. kind of warping a lot of games so the the, the officials at IFAB haven't quite got this right there's been a, I think a, a, a recalibration of the laws of the game to fit them the vr age and that is still happening and they're also bringing new technologies online as as well so i mentioned the eric ten hag thing but 
um, the first couple seasons of VR, it was very much a case of officials taking a camera angle mm-hmm. and then drawing lines on to determine whether a player was offside or not. Obviously, that was very, very unscientific, and a lot of the early VR farces came from that process. The last two seasons, though, an extra layer of technology has been added. So in the Premier League, officials uh, offsides, excuse me, are now decided using Hawkeye, um, same sort of system as, te- as, as, as tennis. So there's a calibration of five uh, cameras, which the players on the pitch and the positions that they hold are then calibrated using those cameras. And that from that, an offside decision is, is, is made. So obviously there is still a subjective layer with interference and deliberate plays in the ball and things like that. But besides that decision... Excuse me, besides that, the decision is actually taken out of the officials' hands and they will get a a decision from the Hawkeye system that says this player was onside or this player was offside. Yeah, and and it's it's a confusing thing for me that I find the offside aspect of VAR to be the most frustrating and simultaneously the one that probably operates the best overall because we go from 2018 and 2019, those World Cups, where it felt like you'd have to get the review of the goal – they're drawing the line. It takes forever. Now they're redrawing it. Now they're tightening it. Now there's the debate of when is the ball struck? When is it played? And it felt very subjective. It felt like it took a long time. Nowadays, like even the Garnacho one that we're talking about, it that happens pretty quickly. I feel like they're able to get the lines down. Part of that is the AI that's involved. Part of that is the, the rendering and the multiple cameras they use. Um, so I feel like we end up getting that decision faster than we ever have before it just as i said feels more punitive because now you're getting it so accurate that it's a shoelace or a defender's like like head leaning one way means that a player 50 yards away is no longer offside or they are now offside and it just that's the part that feels wrong even if it's right i think i think they've nailed it in the champions league and i thought they nailed it actually at the the 2022 world cup in qatar um i think also at the the women's world cup as well where they have it's 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 the technology that makes the decision and then the one the one area that the premier league is still causing a little bit of confusion is even though the lines are applied by hawkeye they then take a specific camera angle to then apply the lines to to illustrate it to fans and i think that's where Ecton had got yep. confused with, with the arsenal game was they took a camera angle that wasn't ideal so the lines were in the correct place the decision was correct but the way that they illustrated it to us as viewers was maybe not ideal whereas in the champions league they have that automated um kind of computer mm-hmm. graphic with the mannequins and it makes very very clear what is off onside and, and 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 is offside so i feel like the premier league should just do that because in the champions league and in the world cups so we we there's been very little debate around offside so they do they, they seem to have cracked it in that regard Graham, do you feel like, uh, I think you've done slightly more research on this one, so I'll ask you, do you feel like there's a clear way to understand the differences from league to league and from FIFA competitions? Because I know there's a bunch of different articles, but then you'll get articles from 2021 and even 2022 that I I don't know if they are still accurate or accurate representations. And I think that also throws me is the Bundesliga from 2021 was doing it this way. And the Premier League from 2022 was doing it this way. And then FIFA at the 2022 World Cup was doing it slightly differently. And I think that also adds a haziness that maybe isn't necessary. Yeah, it can be difficult to, to, to keep track of all the differences between the leagues. I, I think it's fair to say that the Premier League 
at least look taking a broad picture view of things over the last four to five seasons, they have had a very low bar for using VAR to make decisions in comparison to other leagues. And and that is now changing and the bar is being raised. But research from the 2021 season and the 21-22 seasons found that Premier League officials were going to VAR 3.4 times more than the other big five leagues. Now, the decisions that were actually being overturned were were relatively similar, but basically what that says is the referees were being sent to the monitor, or that or they were doing a, a prolonged check of an incident um, more often in the Premier League than than another league. So essentially, I feel like other leagues were closer to the clear and obvious mistake mandate than the Premier League was. The Premier League felt like they were re refereeing games a lot. Um, another study found that Premier League reviews took twice as long on average as as, as reviews during the World Cup and. Qatar, which which I thought to mention that tournament again, I thought that was the closest we have had to VR working well, um, because there was a couple of directives there. That was the first time that the, the offside technology had been used, and there was another directive that they were only to go to a review when it was absolutely required, when there was any doubt in the referee's mind, and that the decisions that they were to, to make with the on-field reviews were to, to be made within thirty seconds where possible, and yeah, that was the closest. There was a lot of other problems with the Qatar World Cup but in terms of VR I thought that was that was pretty close to working well so do you feel like VR is here to stay though like do, do you do you see yes. a reality in which it ever goes away or is it just going to be fine-tuned uh for the rest of time yeah I think it's going to be fine fine-tuned for the rest un, until the rest of time I, I I do think we will there will be a gradual pro- process of automation so it started with with the offsides I think we will bring AI into more and more decisions to help the referees and that is maybe the only way that decisions can be quickened up because I don't really know that whole process that we talked with the steps of the referee mentions to the VAR team and then the VAR team looks at it and then they send it back to the referee and then the referee physically has to run over to a pitch side monitor to look at something and then he or she has to look at the monitor. I don't know how you quicken that up. It seems like it's the number of steps rather than the length of each step step that is causing the problem. So yeah, I think there will be a gradual automation of, of the process. It probably is uh, here to stay to be honest. So Graham, are you now advocating for like a headset that when activated, it pro- like it projects the hologram in front of the, the <laughs> official and they can just watch it without having to move and they can see what's going on and then they click the button, it goes away and then they make their decision. Then they draw the rectangle. Yeah. I mean, I presume this is why Apple made those headsets. That's yeah, a V. Exactly. Uh, that's a, that's an MLS product, VAR. right? That's a tie-in for <laughs> with, it, with MLS Season Pass, I presume. Do, do you feel like VAR on the whole has solved some of the problems that it was it was like basically first created to solve because i do feel like i can't remember the last time we had a mistaken identity situation there weren't that many of them to to begin with but i do feel like it's done a good job there as i said earlier i feel like it's definitely done a good job of cutting out a lot of stuff that happened away from the ball when players felt like no one's going to catch the ref's not going to catch this elbow uh 30 yards behind the ball or 30 yards behind the run of play but we've seen that happen routinely if a player be punished or even goals called back because a player was caught doing something they shouldn't have, even if they weren't involved in the goal. So I do also feel like it's been successful in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we probably get less overt diving now as also well that. because Good because call. of because of VER. I think we've discussed that on the on the show before. Uh, but then, as I've also mentioned on the show, I quite like diving in a, in a perverse <laughs> way. So I don't know if that's a positive. This is one of these things where um, if if I if I write down the pros of VR, it probably outweighs the the cons. But the the con is in the con column is is 
quite an emotional thing for me where there are certain things that I feel like VAR has in, infringed on the joy of on certain moments. Like in a big goal, we, we talked about this in our pre-record chat, chat Taylor, um, players don't celebrate certain goals with yeah. the same vigor that they used to and you might say well what does that matter because it's 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 a goal and that's the that's the the, the binary scoring system in, in football that's the only thing that matters but i don't know I, I i do watch football for the emotional moments for the celebrations for the drama and var has has maybe had an impact on that and then my other kind of emotional opinion on var and this is something that hasn't changed at all from when it was introduced is I just disagree with people who believe that every refereeing decision needs to be forensic and scientific and mm-hmm. th- like this is this is a sport we're talking about and yes it is important what's the what's the Bill Shankly quote like the 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 most important thing that doesn't matter at all yeah. in in human life or uh, something to that effect but as uh, like soccer is a human endeavor it's the most so important are, least important thing I think Yeah is. that was it that 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 flows a little bit better than whatever I said um yeah soccer is a human endeavor and referees are human so they're going to make mistakes and and I, I just think we can get over it. Like Sterling Albion two yeah. weeks ago, we played Aberdeen in a huge game for us, stoppage time of the match, we're losing 2-1. We should have had a penalty. I watched the footage back, it seemed like a penalty at the time, it's clear in the highlights, the referee didn't see it, there was no VAR, Aberdeen won that game 2-1. And yes, I grumbled about it, and yes, I posted a couple of forum comments complaining about it, but, I, you know, I got over it pretty yeah. quickly, and, and, and I just, I, I never felt like soccer needed to go into this direction where everything is full scientific, everything is full forensic, because at the end of the day, it hasn't eliminated, in, in the IFAB rules, or the IFAB proposal when this was brought in in 2014, or when the trial started, in 2016 the idea was to eliminate or minimize human error in soccer decision making and it hasn't done that and it was never going to do that how was it ever going to do that because it's still it's this goes back to what i said at the top of the show it's not a robot sitting in a little room it's just another human making this like the same decision or having another look at the decision so yeah i don't i i i understand why people might say vr has worked and i get that argument and on balance logically it probably has but i can't deny the emotional side yeah. of my opinion that says i'm not a massive fan of it yeah i i think that's totally fair and i think it's also fair to to have that be part of the narrative. Oh, the, the Patriots get all the calls. Manchester United get all the calls. And and Barcelona always get the decisions. I think it's part of the narrative. It's part of of sort of fandom, of complaining about those moments, complaining about those tendencies or those perceived tendencies. And, and I think to some extent you have to have that uh, organic complaint, basically, or organic route for complaint uh, to make the sport that much more interesting. Uh, also, Graham, a thing that you, you kind of... Uh, point out there with the Sterling Albion thing uh, for at least in the beginning a criticism was just that you can't have this at every single level and so for a sport that is meant to be a ball and two goals uh, like what like you can put rags together and then put some like cones out and you've got a, a, a soccer fit pitch uh, to not have everybody having VAR makes for an imbalanced system but I think that doesn't really carry as much weight for me because one why like limit the development of the game because everybody can't have perfect technology but also i think to argue that like people playing on an uneven pitch is the same as playing on a premier league pitch i think right there there's some inequality that we're not really dealing with uh the other 
thing that I did think was interesting uh, when VAR is first conceived, and I think it's still an aspect of it today, is the idea that it cuts down on match fixing or the impact it can have on match fixing, that you remove... Yes, an official might get a decision wrong, but if they're deliberately getting that decision wrong, you have at least some checks and balances for it being reviewed and not allowed to continue. And I think that also then helps with analytics and tracking referees. And if you start to get a series of questionable decisions or this referee does this consistently, I think it raises red flags a little bit faster. So that's an unintended consequence, but also I think an intended consequence at the same time, uh, if that can exist simultaneously. So... Uh, again, I think we land on a flawed, imperfect system, but an improving system, even if it feels unnatural at times. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up my thoughts on VR. It's here to stay. It's just part of the furniture with, with football now. Um, there are certain situations, Taylor, you mentioned it's not in every league. There are some cup competitions where it's a little bit farcical so for example to yeah. go back to Sterling Albion example um, we played Aberdeen in, the, Aberdeen on the Friday night in the League Cup then Rangers played Morton the next day in the same competition in the same round of the competition and they had VR in their match so that's, that feels a little bit awkward just because obviously it's down to the fact that Rangers have more money than Sterling Albion do and they can afford to have VR but yes I think uh, an imperfect system it certainly is but a system that nonetheless is probably on balance improving soccer yeah furthering that one i can't remember if it was this last round of world cup qualifying or the one before on the men's side that Concacaf just chose to implement it halfway through qualifying even though some teams yeah. could not have var so you'd get it in some games and not in others and that also feels like an odd one to have that imbalanced competition but i guess the sooner you get it going the sooner everybody gets it going the other one that feels weird is i've seen this happen a couple times a couple times during premier league matches where they, basically the VR system isn't working. I don't yeah. know whether it's the communication yeah. is, is broken or, or something like that. And they just continue the game and they just say, VR isn't working for the moment. And as a fan, I'm like, oh, hold on, is that allowed? Like, can you play the game? What happens if there's like the most, what if that's the time the Thierry Henry handball yeah. happens in 2023 and there's no VR? Well, we I can't that, see right? what happens. It. I, I, I forgot about this one because we watched so much soccer and, and time is meaningless. But I think it was the 2019-2020 season there's a goal that sh shouldn't have scored, shouldn't have counted, or should have counted one, one way or the other. But it just happened to be that the like system had gone offline when that goal had scored, and they didn't realize it until after the fact. So you do still get those those strange moments, which themselves become talking points, but clearly not lingering talking points because we're not talking about it right now in any level of clarity. So uh, again, VAR, a, a strange one that we will always continue to debate, and I think is on that list of things like traffic and bad poker beats and fantasy football stories that no one really wants to talk <laughs> about that much. No one is really that interested in hearing unless there is some sort of crazy dramatic moment. Yeah, and that's why we have Soccer 101 to hey. talk about those, those subjects. <laughs> the, the, this, this, this podcast is for the, uh, for the weirdos and the sadists like us. Yeah, there we go. You're welcome, weirdos and sadists. Uh, <laughs> Graham, anything else to add on, on VAR? I feel like we've added some information and then a lot of uh, opinion, but I'm fine with that balance. Yeah, that's our brand. And <laughs> if anyone wants any some more VAR chat, there will inevitably be yeah. some on the next Weekend Review episode. So tune in for that. That's how it works. All right, Graham Ruthman, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about VAR with me today. Thank you, Taylor Rockwell. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another Soccer 101 episode next week. <laughs>